It is episode 63 of Honestly Unbalanced, and for the first time ever, we're bringing a guest back. We chatted to Adam Hoke, maybe episode two or three, so a long time ago now, and we enjoyed our conversation so much, we thought there's so much more to share than just his history and his story. We wanted to chat a little bit more about his approach to yoga. So this podcast is full of wisdom. Uh, both suitable for yoga teachers and for yoga practitioners. We talk about visiting extremes in yoga, finding softness in our practice, what it means to actually stay or expand our comfort zone, how to help students make their own decisions on the mat, how to align not just body but heart and mind. We explore intention, how to kind of navigate and manage students that do their own thing in class. We talk about online versus in real life teaching, how to present yoga to new students, and what is enlightenment. We tackle a biggie. So all sorts of useful stuff there. If you don't know Adam, Adam's based in London. He's not from London, but he's based in London and has been for a long time. We actually share the same teacher, Jason Crandall, and we are both going to be teaching on Jason's 200-hour training, uh, happening both online, 50% with Jason, and in person in London. Uh, It commences July, it's going to be taught by Jason Grandal, 50%, Adam Hoke, me, and Jasmine Bahia, who's a wonderful teacher as well. And we're going to be chatting to her on the podcast soon. So I'll let you head off and enjoy this episode. Before we begin, just a little reminder that you can get 10% off the incredible Lifeform yoga mats with code HUSLER, all caps, H-U-S-L-E-R. Their range has been expanding over the years. They've got travel mats, heavy mats little square mats or little tiny little ones that you can use under your knees they've even just released some water bottles and uh, a custom uh, mat builder where you can kind of add your colors and add your names etc they're awesome mats an awesome london-based company i've used them forever holly has too in fact i think that was actually my first gift to holly a blue yoga mat I think I might have got it for free. Don't tell her that. Hopefully she doesn't listen to this. But (laughs) but that was my first gift to Holly. And also, if you fancy practicing with Holly and I, we have an online platform at thehustlers.com where Holly does sound journeys, meditations. Uh, We've just invested in ridiculous microphones. So everything is now obscenely good, especially for the sound journeys. Uh, And then I teach lots of yoga on there. Uh, Code THEHUSTLERS25, that's all capitals, gets you 25% off a single 12 months membership or any reoccurring membership until cancellation. So you could keep that discount pretty much forever, as long as you don't cancel. Cool. Anyway, I'll let you get on to the podcast. Enjoy. Honestly, What coffee are you drinking, Adam Hoke? Uh, It is a blend that came in the post box and I, I... Didn't look at the label, so it, it, yeah, I, I can't tell you. It's it's hot, it's caffeinated. It's gonna give me what I need, and as I drink more of it, I'll get more lively. <laughs> Surprise do coffee. Do you have any kind of morning routine? Morning routine. You know, it's gotten because I've just moved house, as we were just talking about. I just had COVID. Oh. Just had visitors. So my routine is like totally bonkers. So this is my current. This is like Adam, get yourself together, get on a routine. It's the new, it's the new thing lately. Mm. So I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Today I, I worked out before I talked to you. If I wasn't talking to you, this would be like morning meditation slash watching Netflix. 
um, drinking at, at, the, at the same time? Not at, well, <laughs> depends on the day. But. That's, that's what you call balance, meditation yeah. and Netflix. Is it something that's going to help you with personal development or something trashy like Selling Sunset? Please tell me it's the, the latter. I, I, can't, I can't do those reality shows. Oh, Adam, get off the podcast. <laughs> Just, that, disclaimer, nor can I. I'm not, I'm not at home watching Don't these. Don't lie, Adam. He yeah. loves it every night. No, I, I watch something like, like a, you know, like a, a, a retiree, like an OAP would watch where they like repair things. <laughs> you know, it's all, I need very pleasant. Well, you've done well. You've already claimed a whole room in your house and you've made it into an office and it looks freshly painted. So do you, do you have sort of like a priority list at the moment? Is it kind of get the house done um, or are you doing it alongside all of your, you know, your meditation practice and your morning routines? I mean, it's all, we, we're in the house. We were sort of settled enough, and yeah. then now it's going to be years of, of, of buying things, maintaining things, fixing mm. things, yeah. fixing things again. Yeah. Um, so you know, I'm trying to get back into, all right, we've been focused on the house and the renovation. Uh, as you know, you know all about this mm. for, for the last year or so. It's like, okay, back to life. Yeah. You know, I, read, life. I read a book by a guy called Oliver Berkman the other day, which is called either 40,000 Weeks, maybe. Uh, so he used to be a productivity writer and he's now almost to some degree anti-productivity and part of the book was all about this idea that to decide to be crap at something is actually really liberating <laughs> because we often put so much pressure on ourselves like every day to say, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to try and do that, I'm going to be good at being a yoga teacher and good at my morning meditation and you know a good husband or like all these things and then we don't do any of them as we would like and then we feel crap about ourselves. Well, it's actually far better just to say, you know what, this week I'm going to focus entirely on COVID recovery, meaning I'm going to be a crap person at responding to emails, a crap person at meditating, but COVID recovery is my focus. And, you know, you could extrapolate it out and say for whole, for this, for the next year, I'm going to be a bad meditation teacher because I'm focusing on purely teaching asana and developing my skill. Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, that, that makes me think about when I returned to playing piano because mm. I played piano as a kid. And, you know, I accompanied the choir, I you know, played with musicals, I ended up writing a lot of music and doing all these things. But you know what? I wasn't that talented. I, I was talented enough, uh, but I wasn't that talented uh, to be you know, at top tier. And coming back to it as an adult, I had to think, what is it, what is it mean to be an amateur hmm. at something? to do something for the pure love of it without the pressure. Mm. Uh, so that was a big journey for me to, to figure out how much time will I dedicate to this without it becoming this like obsessive, I have to be perfect thing. Mm. And how do I do something and just love it? How do, I, how do I sort of slot it into my life? And actually doing that process for piano helped me Re reapproach the yoga practice because after a period of time, I had to realize, you know what, I'm never going to do a split. I'm never going to get my leg behind my head. And you know what? It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Like, you, you, not... You're missing out. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> life changing. Yeah, the life changing, enlightening <laughs> qualities of all these poses will be lost to me. But it's, you know what? I I can. You can do things for the pure love of it. For the pure love of it, and and you have to eventually just say all right yeah this is just for the quality of my life um, mm. instead of i'm going to be 
the best at it in the whole wide world which yeah, and do you feel do you feel that sometimes kind of lost in the yoga world and that people i people really feel they need to achieve and the next the only way to achieve is become a teacher and then then it's to be a successful teacher and a lot of people lose sight of why they're doing yoga perhaps in the first place oh oh of course of course of course of course yeah that made me think i taught a workshop one time uh i think it was in it was in uh i was in brussels i think uh and i was essentially teaching self-regulation in in how hard you make, might make a practice for yourself that some days you know it might be totally appropriate for you to push to the you know we have the so-called deepest expression of a pose or to chase you know the really hard fiery stuff and other days depending on your mood and your energy and your health it might be a better activity for you to really do it mellow mm. and just because you do one thing on one day doesn't mean you can't do another thing on another day and the response that I got from the group, I'll never forget it, was that no one had ever told them that <laughs> it's okay to not push yourself to the hardest bit and that actually doing a little bit less or a little bit softer on some days might be the better thing. That's unbelievable, actually. They might not have said this to you, but what was their view of why, what had they been told as a reason for pushing harder was? I just think there is, there's a still a view, conscious or not, that doing the harder poses or doing, you know, the, the sort of standard poses to the absolute, like, maximum is what's going to give you the most benefit. Yeah, mm. yeah. And that may be the case on Tuesday, but on Wednesday, maybe not. Yeah. And I think that, that still people are figuring that out. And one of the things that I've done in my classes for the last few years, which... I still don't think many people do is, you know, well, here's a simple moment. We step forward with our right foot into warrior two. Okay, everyone, take the next five seconds and decide if this is a really long stance, a really short stance, how low you want to go, how much you want to work today. Mm. And it's really like con constant reminders that you can self-regulate. I think I sort of lost my belief that you have to push hard every day. Um, also, because of like with age, <laughs> you really had COVID and whatever it is, you realize you you can't, you can't. That's not sustainable. I also don't think it's 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 the right plan that really reflects about how how you will use these practices to care for yourself. Mm. Well, obviously, yoga is a practice of balance. So, what what are your views on exploring extremes? You know, going to from pushing to the hardest to completely backing off should it always be completely balanced or should you visit those realms a lot or sometimes the way i usually think about this is it's the way um i learned it from um my studies with um you know people like pema children and whatnot um i, sh I shouldn't say and whatnot it's like pema, <laughs> pema children is like is, is pema children um I'll drink the coffee and mm, get better. Yeah, yeah. Um, but know that there is, there is comfort zone. Okay. There is growth and challenge zone, and there is danger zone. Mm. And all of that can be uh, referring to the physical, and it can be referring to the emotional, um, and you know, and sometimes where they overlap. Comfort zone is delightful. <laughs> And sometimes we really, really need it. 
Uh, and I think if you are aware you're in the comfort zone and have made a conscious de decision to be there, say by you know taking it easy in your practice or deciding that yeah you're going to be you know, crap at meditation this week and you're just going to relax, uh, that you're in the comfort zone, it's fine. But like the the more you spend in it, the smaller the comfort zone gets, mm. and that everything becomes. Like uh, the you know, the danger coming at you, and you you see that in in I'm, if you have aging parents um, and or just older people in your family, the comfort zone gets really small, and you get really protective of it if you never never leave it. Mm. So I think about that. Danger zone is danger zone. That's pushing pushing too much to the point of injury mm. um, or going too deep too quickly into meditation or you know contemplative inquiry, and and then you know that causing all sorts of you know, trauma to reappear. Uh, so there's that. But you know, in the middle is, is what I really like to find. It's the growth and challenge zone where, where you have said, this might not be easy, but I'm going you know, to work on my resilience. I'm going to inquire about my emotions. I'm going I'm to you know, use this to, to alleviate my suffering, which might not be an easy path but it's a path that I know will, will help me because I know I can't stay in that comfort zone forever because if I do, it just you know, shrinks, shrinks, shrinks until you know, you're, you're stuck in your living room mm. and that's it. Um, so I think about that a lot and try to contextualize you know, the choices in a yoga practice um, to remind people that you know, some days they can be doing one thing and other days another, but we should strive you know with, with an active practice like yoga asana that we enjoy um to to, to maybe think about physical emotional growth mm -hmm. one thing that's interesting there with the comfort zone idea is when you say comfort zone in asana i think by default people would just think about very gentle poses where there's not a lot happening but i think also for some people their comfort zone is collapsing into a very deep pose. Mm. So collapsing into a splits or a low lunge, mm. just dumping into the lower back, is for many this root of least resistance where they're hanging out in a place that's comfortable. And so I think we need to differentiate the ideas to some degree of the big extravagant both poses being hard and the easy looking poses being easy comfort. Because mm. something like Warrior 2, for me, has got harder as, as mm -hmm. I explore the nuances and the detail, and it's far from from being in my comfort zone now, whereas it used to be that Warrior 2 was the easiest thing in the world and I would just dump into it dramatically. And so how do you, how do you see students responding to that? Do you, do you still see people kind of collapsing or do you talk a little bit about kind of ego and comfort zone and chasing the shape, as it were? You know, I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, yeah, yeah comfort could be just people not not working anymore and just sort of you know sort of leaning on what their body can do or what's what's sort of easy um and also i think comfort can be distracting the hell out of yourself with really tough practice mm. so you don't have to deal with your emotional life comfort can mean a, a lot of things so sometimes the you know the the, the real challenge and, and maybe even the danger zone for someone might be having quiet and stillness oh i love that so so, so it's weird um you know it, it, it really depends on the person so how i might deal with it in, with my students is well one, one of the things I, I I say to my teacher trainees um, is that you are you are not 
just giving your students choices. You're not just you know, the, the person who brings in, like, you know, do one of these three things or regulate the intensity this way. You're not just the person bringing in the choices. You're the person helping to teach decision making hmm. and self-regulation that, that sometimes people don't know or understand why they might go a little further into a pose or back off a little bit or you know, recruit more muscular support or hang out, why, why there is benefit to that. Um, so I, I, you know, I always started at the beginning of class and make people think about how hard they wanna work on a given day, knowing that it might change, knowing what's feeling good or feeling, not feeling good in the body. If I'm you know, decided to, to talk about you know, recruiting strength while holding you know, deep flexibility poses, you, you have to give it a little context to mm -hmm. it. Um, so it's all a matter of you know, always ex sort of explaining why people might take a choice or not, not just saying, you know, do this because I say so, mm. or I, you know, I think it's better. Um, and and uh, with, with that sort of stuff of hanging out in flexibility, you know, let's just say hanging out in a split or something and like full collapse to it. I don't know, I feel, I feel like there, there's nothing there's no participation in that shape. That's just like, I've surrendered to gravity. It's like a, mm -hmm. spl a splat. Like just, <laughs> splat split. You know, it's, uh, and I, I think if we're not there, then there's, there's no more sensation. There's nothing to inquire about or feel. So with, with something like that, someone, you know, just full splat split, not really engaged, just decide that they're, you know, they're, in their in their moment, I would be thinking about how can I make this person feel and inquire. What sort of cue and and thing can I give them to do that will will wake it up a little bit? Not not because in my you know part of my mind is thinking all right well there's the mobility thing there's the strength and active range and all that stuff but I don't really think that's going to make a, a a person a happier person in their life to have you know, full in you. Know, strength at end range might protect them a little bit and stuff they do, but it's not going to make them a happier person uh, or fully alleviate suffering in their life. So I'm not really that interested in, in teaching, you know, in range motion and with strength for that purpose. But I, I'd be interested in thinking, how can I wake this pose up so people feel where they are in this moment in their body? And if it's a little tough, how do they work on the you know the resilience to be with that? Mm. Um, and I don't I don't mind pushing buttons a little bit. You talk on your Instagram actually about how you used to be more focused on physical alignment and the most intelligent way to move and work your body, and now you're so much more aligned with physical heart, mind, and body. I think you called it alignment. So can you talk a little bit about that? I feel like it links to what you were just saying. Well, I, you know, anyone who's done a teacher training in the last 10, 15 years will, will have realized or, or gone, had the moment where something they were told to do like really intensely, like this is the right way. Mm -hmm. they, they might even hear it from, because I heard it from my teachers later on. No, that's not the right way anymore. We're going to do it this way. <laughs> uh, or there is no right way. Um, and so what happened to me was I, what I thought was that, like, this is, 
this is the right alignment. This, I've learned to do poses this way. And then you realize, okay, that doesn't reflect the reality of human bodies and the way that skeletons are different, hips are different, shoulders are different, people's life and injury is different, people's needs are different. So I had to let go of a little bit of um, that, that feeling of certainty and you know, you know, alignment fundamentalism. <laughs> That people get, which I'm still fighting that battle. But it's kind of it's it's an it's kind of alignment principles, isn't it? You've kind of moved on to so the idea yeah. that you understand yeah. the pose and you apply it to a unique body based on a set of circumstances yeah. and a unique anatomy you just made. yeah. And you just sort of you, the the challenge has become, you know, on the physical side, opening it up to a variety of things that might happen giving people some certain things to look for and then a range of other things to choose from and doing that without people feeling overwhelmed by choice mm-hmm. <laughs> or the classroom being chaotic. And that has been the, that has been the continuing challenge. I mean, we did uh, like a weekend of workshops on it a few years ago, right, trying to figure out how, how you can you know, work with all this information we have about how bodies are different, but still teach a group class without it being total chaos so that I mean we could talk about that for hours but that that was part of the the changing of of how I use alignment but then I got really interested in intention and you know I've been saying you know often that like I'm not I don't just teach like mixed levels classes I teach like mixed intentions and mixed reasons for being there Mm. and trying to sort that out has been uh, an exciting thing for me, giving people uh, a process of aligning uh, the shapes and the stuff and the choices and the inquiries I'm giving them with their unique personal reasons for being there. Because um, I think that's really important. I think how you do asana, um, you know, and why you do asana is as important as uh, the asana that you do. Mm. Like the, the intention and 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 meaning you bring to the shapes you know, the way the way you you know if you're you know adjusting your own body and touching your own body and asking muscles to work the way and the why you do that really shifts the practice because yeah, i think i many years of practicing was me reacting to being the overweight, not fit kid, not flexible kid, bad dancer in the theater shows, you know, like. <laughs> but can you like, sing? Not, not even good at the piano that I good? <laughs> good enough, good enough. <laughs> Move on. So uh, I, a lot of my yoga practice was a reaction to all of that stuff. It's like, I'm going to show you I can be fit. Mm. I'm going to show you I can do all this. Um, and, you know, show all those like, physical education teachers that I, you know, I'm worth something, or I might even show those early yoga teachers that I can't get my arms over my head <laughs> without bending my elbows. Like, I'm, I'm going to show you. And then start, you know, as an adult, you start working through all that stuff and you do years and years of practice. And then you realize, all right, I can do all this stuff now, but like, what, is, what does it mean now? What does it mean now once I, I'm proficient at it? Um, so I had to really think about like what, how I align to intention and meaning, um, you know, how I might align to a compassion practice or a kindness practice or a resilience practice, um, 
so that that has been the exciting stuff for me is to really feel around about how I can how I can use the postures and the way I make people inquire about the body uh, in a way that that dives a little bit deeper into mm. this this world of mind body. What are your thoughts on the other extreme? Kind of the world of yoga teachers are saying, do what you want, feel your body, move however you want. Anything is fine. But my, I'm quite, when, when I hear that. Because <laughs> like, there needs to be some structure. Well, that's, this is, I think that's a tricky one. Because fundamentally, I think that sounds really nice. Mm. That sounds really, really nice. But the challenge is to be comfortable in a group space moving freely from your own impulse you know in your own in your own exploration and curiosity to like to have the comfort to do that i think to, it takes a lot of work to get to that level of of understanding of your own body and and just you know physical and emotional freedom to do that and many people going to a yoga class believe it or not want to be told what to do yeah i hmm. want to learn something i want to learn the shapes and want to have the structure and the container of that and it is very um at least for me and i've seen it a lot in my students like psycho emotionally reassuring to have a very pre predictable structured class shape uh, to explore it. And once you have that like structure, then student or yourself can relax and then you can start getting curious, curious. But if you have no structure for many people, it's just immediate for me, worry about what's coming next. Mm. How do I interact with this? Mm. So, uh, you know, on one hand, I think how, how nice is it if, if we could just be totally free and just sort of do what we want. But I, I think that's a challenging class environment to cultivate, mm. particularly at you know, the new student level. Um, I think I think it's a nice sort of utopic ideal, mm. but as we know, utopias don't always um, pan out. But what do I know? I could be totally wrong. So I, I think it, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about, and it's a it's an interesting thing to um, consider when you find yourself getting too dictatorial about mm. the class has to be this mm -hmm. and it's going to be what i say it is it can i think this could be a huge hugely challenging topic for teachers na to navigate and what i would say to any teachers listening is you can find your own niche we don't need to of course be everything to everyone mm. and actually you know you could decide to be a certain type of teacher or you can decide actually this Monday evening class is when I'm going to let people freestyle a little bit more and this Tuesday evening class is when I'm actually educating skill because other teacher who creates very specific sequences where every cue has a reason if people freestyle in that kind of class I go like I go insane I'm like no 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 in the context of this sequence we're doing this because we're trying to go to that direction and if you go in that direction yeah. you're doing exactly the opposite so <laughs> I think it's not to say we need to be the same thing it's finding either your style or a style for that particular class that you're teaching it's it's you know, i've been thinking about it lately in the context especially how we've been trained to like be yoga educators mm. we've been trained to be yoga educators to develop you know um months of sequences and curriculum and to really build and to to really take our uh, the way we plan a class very seriously um 
And that's great. And then that can get us in this mode of like, why is there going to be freestyling when I'm teaching you a set lesson? Um, <laughs> like, right? Like I, I, have, I have spent a lot of time preparing this class and this is what I'm educating you in as, as the, the yoga expert in this room. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's where we start going. And then, you know, if you're doing something different, I'm right, you're wrong. Um, like that, that's the, like sort of the progression. But I think it's, you know, if we keep it in check, all that is fine. But what I'm trying to remember lately is many people, um, including myself, a lot of the time, come to a yoga practice or a yoga class or a yoga group class not to be educated, but to have uh, a physical, emotional experience that help takes them and out of their life distracts them for a little bit mm-hmm. or helps them process something uh, or is taking them to some sort of you know the uh, goal of, of feeling better in their life or their body like mm-hmm. they're going they're going through their own thing yeah and they need a space and a container to go through their own thing so we go in there as yoga educators and and you know blah 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 about this and the hip and the rotation and whatever in their mind, they're thinking like, my mom has cancer, mm. I'm not feeling well, I got to get home to the kids, it's like on and on and on and on. Um, so we have to, I think, in this day and age, as yoga teachers, where yoga is now, do the educator thing, okay, do the educator thing, but also not forget the holding space for people non-judgmentally, mm-hmm. kindly, Mm-hmm. Um, giving, this is where the mind, body, heart alignment stuff comes in for me. Like I'm going to do all the education, but I got to make sure that there is a context to this class. So people know this, you, like learning how to contract your hamstrings when they're fully stretched out is not going to make you a happier person. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not, it's not, but you know, being able to do those practices in an inquiry where you, you know, you sort of test your resilience and you, you sort of you know, go in, in and out of comfort zones and, and, and sort of feel who you are in each moment, that stuff might. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I play around with the context, the, the intention, and give a good educational experience, and to get back to what we were talking about, always be thinking about how people with different physical or emotional needs or abilities on any given day might interact with this class and making sure that they can interact with this class in different ways. Mm. Um, um, they like have a space for that and can do that. Um, that to me is what sort of makes it magic. You know, the class I taught, you know, or teaching this week, I think could be a really gentle class, but, it could, but people have been using it to be a really fiery class. Because it's all, I've been trying to get people just, you know, many, many opportunities to self-regulate and choose and, and take it in whatever direction they want to take it. Um, it's, it's interesting to me as just as, like as a yoga anthropologist, like looking, looking at them thinking, like, why, why are you all doing it to the hardest? But, um, but that, that's another story. Do you find yourself trying to sort of like individually diagnose or like psychoanalyze people or, or fix your students? I guess because it's a constant battle with the ego for the teacher as well, isn't it? To, to hold the space whilst not trying to control, not trying to fix. Is, is that something you have to sort of, you catch yourself doing sometimes? 
I mean, <laughs> less so these days. Um, what, what, a new mission for me is to not um, just dump on people a lot of advice mm. without them asking me first. <laughs> what, what advice what did you used to give? What advice did you used oh, to give? Oh, no, you know, you just like, be like, oh, you know, I saw your shoulders in this and this, blah, 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 blah. Uh, like after class, when like the moment has passed. It's just like, just let, <laughs> let people, let people you know, be students and when they're ready to ask and come for help, you know, mm. I, I will, I will happily give it. But people have to, this is the thing, like people have to want to be students and want to learn and be proactive in it. And if they've come to my class, that is one thing. If they're struggling with a pose and I offer a little bit of advice in the moment, that's another and they can take it or leave it. But beyond that, I want them to be curious enough to ask because I don't think if they're if they're not curious enough to ask, me dumping a bunch of stuff on them, unsolicited, um, is it's not going to be received. Mm -hmm. And then it just it just sort of looks desperate from me. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. do you think online yoga has helped people be more willing to actually ask those kind of questions? So I've noticed it. So I've historically I've always said at the end of class, any questions, come and grab me. I'm here. No, <laughs> not no one ever really asks. Workshops maybe a little bit it's more. So. Scary. Yeah, I'm not, I've got the most welcoming face. Scary face. But online, people seem more willing to do it, to actually, you know, put their microphone on and ask. Like, have you noticed a different dynamics with the online classes? Um, yeah, I haven't been teaching much online lately, but that's another story. Um, I think so. I think there's, there's a comfort in being at home mm -hmm. uh, that people, I think that, that that has been one of the, the, the interesting things about more online yoga um, is that people are more willing to do a practice that suits them and in a way that suits them and less so being carried along by the, the group dynamic. Uh, and along with that, uh, I, I think they, they have been more, more curious about, about asking questions and, and, and willing to do so. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it still comes back to I, many, most people in class don't really care about what their shoulders are doing, like to ask about afterwards. They care, like, do I feel better? Yeah. Mm, totally. It's interesting what you say there, but you mentioned happiness earlier. Like, would this make someone happier? But for a lot, like for many people, there's no link between happiness and yoga. They never even thought of it as that. Like they start yoga because they want to get bendier. Or they start yoga because they just have a desire to do some contortion-like poses. Or start yoga because they want to meet that person at yoga. <laughs> oh, believe, you know, I, I started when I was 19 years old at NYU in New York, which we've talked about probably before. Yeah, and, and I wanted to be um, skinnier, more flexible, um, more attractive to men. Um, and, and then along with that, probably some weird like Cirque du Soleil dreams. Um, <laughs> and if you do yoga long enough, so this is, you know, 20 odd years in, like that stuff just plays out. You realize, you know what, my body's gonna be what it's gonna be. Um, and this will only, without me really participating in it, just sort of receiving it and replicating what the teacher does or asks me to do, the magic of that runs out, all right? The magic of me just receiving a yoga class and doing it, feeling better, 
you know, feeling um, more alive and awake in my body, my joints feeling better, you know, whatever, my sleep, this or that, my interactions with people, from just doing it without really thinking about it, inquiring about the intention, self-regulating. I really think that magic runs out after a couple of years. It runs out really physically because we need to play around with um, the variety of the way we, we ask our body to do things and the load and the way we contract muscles or not. Like, we, like the physical ver variety is necessary and the novelty of all that runs out after a few years. The emotional stuff you, after a few years of the buzz of doing this runs out because you get used to it and then suddenly you're just left with your, your, all the shit you had before. Um, so after a few years of yoga, you have to come back to it not as just a person who replicates a class given to you. You have to become an active participant in the class. Uh, and when you become an active participant in the class, by that I mean self-regulating your intensity, making good choices, you know, doing some practices someday and others another day, or you know, working in and out of comfort or growth and challenge zone. Um, that's the stuff that I think helps you use yoga asana and other practices to, to be a happier, healthier um, person you know, and, and sort of work with your suffering. But you can't, it can't just be a Simon says, teacher mm -hmm. says, do this thing. That, that stuff runs out. So I'm not you know, interested anymore in just delivering a class that people can replicate. Mm. I'm interested in delivering a class that gives people an opportunity to make of it what they need it to be. And if I don't doing that, I, I think like, should I just, you know, should I just be teaching like group fitness at the gym and yeah. following the script? But that'll, that'll make people feel good for a few years too. Mm. I think as you say, it's, it's an experience thing as well. For the first two years, there is lots of shape replication because that's all you know. You kind of, you look around and roughly what is warrior to, okay, I see someone doing that shape over there. But then, yeah, it does, of course, become a huge amount more than that, doesn't it? But it's, it's a journey, right? You can't skip out any of the parts. Yeah. Like for a teacher and a student, you have to, I mean, you know, most people start yoga because they want to get skinnier or, or bendy or whatever. And it's like, that is the entry point. And then you go on a journey. You can just sort of shoot straight to the, to the end and realize that actually it is about, you know, living a healthier, happier life and working on your patterns and your shit and stuff. It's like you have to go through that, that process as a teacher as well, I guess. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to escape growing up. You know? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's like, you know, this is growing up. Um, so it, it's, it, the, I think the interesting question becomes then, well, how, how do you present yoga to new students? Mm. You know, on beginner's courses. Mm. Um, do, do you get really into all of all of the psycho-emotional stuff or you or do you just say people are here because they want to learn the shapes and this will be the process and they're going to have many years to work on this uh and i don't really know the answer um i i tend to i mean even after all that i've said um, with beginners just say we're going to learn the shapes yeah we're going to learn we're in the vocabulary of this of this process of yeah, this practice and you'll learn the vocabulary, you'll learn what you can do. And then as we start putting it together, you know, in the coming months and years and decades, you'll see that you, you can do a lot with this vocabulary. Um, but we, yeah, we do, we gotta start somewhere and we can't, you know, dump on too much at first. Yeah. 
What are your thoughts on teachers going to, not teachers, or students going to different teachers? I know commercially, the best thing is for students to only come to your class. But, <laughs> but I, I, I always advocate like going to different classes, especially the mm-hmm. new student, to find a style that resonates with you and to find teachers that offer you something different. So you might find a teacher like you that offers more deep inquiry and a teacher that lets you flow a little bit more maybe get into a more dynamic flow state and a teacher that plays a banging playlist that just lets you turn off from the world and be distracted by the music instead and maybe that's what you need yeah so what are your views on on a student doing multiple teachers and is there a limit um, i mean of course the ego in me when someone says i went to so-and-so's class <laughs> and i think what and in my back of my head i'm thinking that person um <laughs> with all <laughs> with all my judgment um not that I have judgment because I'm, yeah, I'm perfect. Yogi. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, you can get a little prodded by that, but actually I think it, it's very helpful for yoga teachers to take the pressure off themselves and think, I don't have to be everything to everybody mm-hmm. nor should I be that I do what I do. And that's probably not going to be a complete system. For people's health and well-being like the the practices i teach you know it's, it's not all the stuff that i do as an individual to care for myself but there's certain things that i do that that you know either i don't think i teach it well or people don't want to re- learn it from me there are certain things that you know i think i teach really well and people want to get from me that i do and that's what i deliver but i don't i'm not a complete system of health and well-being yeah, Adam, Adam's school of, of enlightenment. It's not, it's not I like the sound of that. I know. He's going to steal could, it now. We could trade. Yeah, we'll trademark that. We'll, we'll, we'll build the app. Uh, but no, well. it's, it's, it doesn't exist. So I think it's really good and healthy for people to to figure out all the things that they, they need to piece together for their personal practice. But like everything, you know, sometimes students can do too much. And then you sort of you sort of dig a lot of wells all over the place and never get deep enough to, to really mm-hmm. get the good stuff out. So there that that is the thing I would I, you know, if I talk to students about this, I'm trying not to just dump on them. But if they ask me about it, um, I would say, yeah, definitely explore, but after a while you you know, you gotta really start limiting it a bit so you can you can dig deep yeah and that's the only way to go deeper isn't it mm. like you can't go deeper by fleeting around 20 different Maybe it's, teachers it's like a classes. distraction thing as well from what you actually really need to to work on as well i think people use that as a, a distract a subconscious distraction mm. method as well but speaking you, of enlightenment though i would like to know what what you think enlightenment is is it something that you reach and achieve or is it like in the everyday what what would you say it is to you Oh gosh. Okay, we've Going got deep. the heavy question now. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Gotta get one wow. in, haven't I? <laughs> wow. You know, I mean I don't know what it is, but I think I know what glimpses of it are. Hmm. Or is. You know, you have those little moments, it's like, oh, the sun is shining a certain way and I'm not thinking about anything else mm. and I I can I can be present for this. Um, or I've have the ability in this sort of brief moment to let go of that thing I think about all the time uh, or that pressure I put on myself. Um, 
you know, or I'm like not in the past, I'm in, not in the future, I'm right here, you know, with my partner, you know, in this. I think that's, that to me is, is what it is. It's just sort of the ability to be, to be present and to, to feel without pushing away, without distracting, without overreacting, um, you know, feel, even if it's, you know, a strong, not particularly like happy, happy emotion, but just to, to be present and feel and to, to be with life without resisting, I without thinking that. about what, you know, what's next on the to-do list. What a lovely answer. That was so nice. I'm going to listen to that again. <laughs> you talked a little bit about the fact that you are not a complete system and you do other stuff. So what are the, uh, and I'll ask you this in a second as well, Holly, like what are your, let's say, five pillars at the moment that you're using to kind of maintain body-mind? I have to do weight training. Mm-hmm. Physically. I mean, because after years and years of like only doing stretching, body weight stuff, um, as you know, as I'm, as I'm returning, hurling into middle age, um, I need I need weights and load to to keep myself together. So weight training, meditation, yoga asana, um, active and restorative. It's up to three. I need my piano. Aww. I need my piano, um, and then I I need contemplation reading study time um and that for me these days is is usually a buddhist text but it might it might as much just be a novel um or a song or something mm -hmm. um but i i need i i need that yeah I want, I want to throw in nature, but... Mm. You, you only had five. You had five. Okay. I guess okay. five is quite an odd number of pillars. Uh, that wouldn't Why create, did you go for five? That wouldn't what create a stable building necessarily. <laughs> did, didn't, didn't you want to study architecture? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well, actually, to be fair, you know, there are... Five pillars. It could be like a tripod. The foot, yeah. the, the, foot yeah. is, the foot is a nice we'll tripod. Say. Yeah. So there we go. Six, six is five. Did that come from a book or something? And I just it was a nice number. Made it up. Oh, why don't you, okay. Ollie? Let's why do the five for you. Me? Yeah. Let's well, why not? Let's see yours. Oh God, I'm not prepared. I don't know. Um, I wasn't prepared. <laughs> oh, okay. Gosh. Okay. So yeah, physical has to come into it. I mean. I've, I guess because I'm pregnant at the moment, I'm exploring Pilates more, but I do want to do more strength training because I know it's so good for your bones. So I'm sort of going through a, a bit of a wave with physical at the moment, but I am. Pilates, you know, I'm, we're saying. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going off on one. Pilates, a little bit of yoga. Um, meditation, I have, I have to keep up meditation. Yeah, I probably do that four times a week. Um, Oh, what, gosh, what, na nature is a big one for me, actually. Putting my feet on the earth every day has become a big one for me. Um, so as an interjection, which looks so weird on our security system. <laughs> so we've got a ring and I'll get these notifications as I walk on the drive. And I'll just see Holly on our front lawn, just standing there like a statue, like a okay. scarecrow, pretty much. Uh, nice. and God knows but, what the Can I just say, all right, it sounds a little bit hippie, but there is actually a wonderful documentary on YouTube called The Earthing Movie. And there are scientific studies to show all of the benefits of having your bare skin on the earth. So but ideally the back garden, not the front garden. <laughs> I don't care. I'm past it. I'm trying to encourage other people. To, I'm like, neighbours, come join me. And no one ever does. You've got one more? <laughs> that was only three actually. Only oh, no, three. You said yoga Pilates. Yeah, actually what I was going to say is um doing things that 
so I like it sounds a bit cheesy but I like to feel like I'm making a, a positive difference in the world every day so you know if for instance it's that's to do with work just to feel that okay I've, I've helped someone today and I've made a difference to their world and that really fulfills me so I try to make sure I do something like that every day and yeah playing my singing bowls as well that goes without saying as well playing my crystal singing bowls makes me feel good I like it that made me feel selfish, but I'm okay. But I'll, I'll work. I'll work on. I'll work, work on my doing no. things for other people. Let's talk a little bit about the online stuff because you've you've been you've offered a few different trainings, haven't you, to guide teachers into the online world? Not about the technical stuff, but actually how to present yourself or get over online anxiety. Can you talk a little bit to that? Gosh, you know, it feels like wow, we've been in this online world for a while. Uh, I was lucky that I had been doing the podcast, you know, my, my audio practices, you know, online for, for years and years and years now. And I had been filming video classes for several years before we went into all this madness. Um, so I felt very comfortable just being able to film things and do things and get, get in front of people. But I know for many, like getting in front of a camera still is is really weird um and disorienting but i don't know it's such a great way to connect to people you know in in addition not replacing but in addition to in person um i think it's it just like everything it takes experience um and a little bit of just getting over yourself mm-hmm. and remembering it's not about you and it, it can be this act of service and kindness to other people to deliver classes and content that way. But yeah, it, it, it does take a little while to be able to talk directly to a webcam mm. and, and, and connect to people. But you know, like the practicalities of it, it's just like learning to be really clear really direct, really organized, uh, and specific. Um, because I, in, in an in-person environment, you can waffle a little bit. You can, you know, you have you, the, the human interactions make up for a lot, but like direct online, you gotta be to the point. Mm. If you're doing a course or a workshop, it has to be like highly, yeah, compartmentalized, segmented, like now we're doing this, now we're doing that. We need variety. Just, I, I get really nervous when I see people offering like all day Zoom trainings. Makes me very nervous about what, what might occur because I, like, it's hard for people to stare at a screen. They need, mm-hmm. they need a variety of experiences. So it, you can do long online things, but it has to be really broken up and recognize that people need different um, different type of stimuli and so it's, it's a learning what do you know what i found the hardest about online and I, i'm again like you i've taught online in variety formats and i've filmed classes with multiple cameras etc i found the hardest thing is actually getting personality across because like you said you know you want the language to be very direct and clear when you're in a public class with people, you can make jokes, you see the interaction. They might not be the best jokes, but you make jokes. You can be funny, you can be sarcastic, it feels very natural. But it's very hard when you're teaching just to a camera and there's no one online, you're just teaching yeah. a recording. That I think is the hardest thing. And I've got no answer to how to solve that. Yeah. I think you have to be comfortable with making a joke and 
putting your personality out there and having no response. <laughs> just laughing at to yourself. Be, to be fair, that's, that's, that's kind of normal for me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it's, I think it, it's just another level of being comfortable with who you are as teacher that you can just say, this is who I am and I don't have any social cues or feedback so I know that this is all right. I just got to say, this is who I am. I'm recording it or I'm putting it through the webcam take it or leave it mm. um and so th- there's a terror to that a uh, fear but there's also a freedom um so i found a lot that, like you know teaching online over the you know the past few years it's it's like i'm just gonna this is who i'm gonna be i'm not i i'm i'm not playing to the crowd i'm not trying to just please who's in the room I, you're just gonna get me and what i care about at the pace i want to do it it's not gonna be changed by the endorphin rush of of being in front of people so that there's freedom but also a lot of challenge to that can we talk about the training coming up now so we're teaching there's 200 hour training coming up so it's a jason crandall training jason is teaching uh, not 50 100 hours of it online Mm -hmm. then yourself a lovely teacher called jasmine bahia and myself are teaching the in-person section at tri yoga London. Do you want to speak a little bit more about that and what you're offering? Well, I, yeah, and we've been working on this for years, and I'm so excited that it's finally happening. Uh, and and what we're doing is is a hybrid program, so we get sort of the best of both worlds. Is in that a lot of it gets to be done online, you know, at your own convenience, be able to replay things, slow it down, speed it up, you know, work at it, really learn and digest, and then we get the immersive you know, in-person, really important human relational, seeing other bodies, working with other bodies, teaching other people, practice experience um, with the three of us. Um, So I'm so excited. I think it's a really great format. So you get the best of both worlds. Uh, And I'm just really excited. I'm I'm sure you are to just be in front of a lot of people for a long time uh, and, and, and see them, see them grow. Yeah. Are Are you excited? Yeah, again, just to work, uh, my favorite thing is working with teachers or people training to be teachers, but just to see people in person again, I think is very valuable. Like online is nice. Uh, you know, there's, there's levels of connection isn't there. There is a pure online where you never see anyone ever and mm-hmm. it's just pre-recorded. Then there is a layer of actually having Zoom calls with people and interaction, which mm-hmm. is lovely, but you, you still miss a lot of the social cues, although it is lovely. You, you, know, you don't see what people's arms are doing, their hands are doing, all these things that we've humans have been programmed to be able to read for generations. We lose all that online. And then so to actually have people in person and to be able to interact, to have a joke, to see eye, make eye contact, to see their whole body. Yeah, I look forward to that. Quick I, I think it's going to be absolutely terrific. And logistically, yeah. it starts out, well, actually, if you signed up already, you get access to the online stuff now. There will be some live online stuff. And then when is our first weekend in person? We start uh, the 1st of July. Uh, and then we'll have uh, six days then. And then we'll have six days in uh, September. So, yeah. So, so people need to have just signed up by the time the first in-person training begins. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Holly, what were you going to say? Quick fires, unless yeah. you want to talk about it some more. Let's go quick, quick fires. Okay. All right, we'll just oh, finish okay. off with a couple of, yeah. Last time we spoke was a couple of years ago when you were recording in your pajamas. Thank you for putting on a t-shirt for us today. Um, and you were talking about, well, we were asking you about 
good habits and you were saying that a good habit that you cultivated in lockdown when there was loads of uncertainty around is you were just focusing on what was making you feel good every day and how can you be more present every day is that something that you have maintained or have you now formed a new habit that you'd like to share wow that's a, that's a good thing to remember um <laughs> I, th- I think I'm going to take that as a, a reminder for <laughs> <laughs> the past to, to focus on that. So I'm going to cultivate that habit. So I'm going to return to that. Okay. <laughs> as I said, the habits and, and routines have gone out the window with, with the house and the yeah. COVID. So all right, I'm going to do that. All right. Thank and you. that's a Thank reminder. You. Thank the- you, Adam. Yes. 2020. Uh, yeah, yeah. And as a little more practical question, in terms of you renovating a house, are there any tips for anyone who is about to renovate? Uh, I think buying a house or renovating a house for me ultimately became a practice of equanimity, which I think <laughs> really intense about it is that you, you have to accept all the ups and downs and just try to stay calm and focused and non-reactive. Um, yeah. And, and not, not, not escalate fights for no good reason with contractors who are doing their best. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's all like all these big life events. It's just like, all right, can I, can I just remember what's important here and, and stay calm? That is, that is one of the biggest things that I've learned over the years. When you talk about the contractors, I think just in general, before you respond to an email or a text or even someone in front of your face, if you have the space to stop and leave it a number of hours. Pause. Ideally, ideally just the yoga pause. Yeah. Me and my friend called it the yoga pause. Just a, just a well, actually, I know like like one of my fr- the friend who gave it to me is a commercial lawyer. <laughs> he was like, "You need to stop emailing so fast. Yeah, you need to just it's reacting, stop, isn't it? React, and then actually everything goes away to some degree." Mm. Best book that you've read yeah. this year? Ooh, best book I've read this year. Wow. Okay, let me think. You know, I don't know if it was this year. I I still think about. Um, uh, Ocean Vuong on Earth, we are uh, we are brief, briefly gorgeous. So Say that again. Ocean Vuong. Yeah. Uh, on Earth, we are briefly gorgeous. Mm, that's a lovely title. That's fiction, so, I'm guessing. It's fiction. What's yeah, fiction? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And as the final question, you've mentioned you're reading quite a lot of Buddhist books or have done. Is there any learning that you've been or quote that you've been kind of exploring in your head lately related to that? You know, one of the things that. Um, I've been doing I never thought I would do um, was like visualizations. Um, so I might, it's, it's, I, I'm not going to visualize, for me it's hard to visualize a deity, um, but I might visualize what that deity means to me hmm. um, and, and work with what comes up. So I never thought I'd be the person who'd be sitting and doing color visualizations and deity visualizations and you know, chanting the seed syllable. Uh, but yet I have become that because <laughs> you know what? It's really, really powerful. Wow. Uh, but I, I tend to do it in my own way because I'm always a rebel. But that's, that's me. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. And is there anything you want to tell people in terms of like Instagram, any courses coming up or like, or your podcast, do you, is your podcast still exists? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It also exists. So I, I, you know, post classes once or twice a month. Um, so all of that can be found on my website along with, you know, upcoming restorative courses and, and hundred hour teacher intensives and the training we have. So it's all there on my website. So you, you can find it there, which is adamhoke.com. Just, just my name. 
Perfect. Perfect. Thank awesome. you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, take care.